In my studies of Synoptic Gospels, one of my favorite passages to study was this one that we just heard today. And one of my favorite comments that my professor made was, as a priest, one of the best things you can do is have a deacon read this gospel. <laughs> the reason why is if we listen to the genealogy, it is a tongue twister of names and of people. So thank you, deacon, for doing your best at it, and I really appreciate it. It's one of the most beautiful readings we get and is the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. It sets the stage for us to begin to understand the gravity of what is about to happen and what is happening in our midst at this moment. The incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's hard to really grasp and understand the significance of the gravity behind his incarnation. But the genealogy sets the stage for us to better come to understand why. The gravity, the seriousness, and most importantly, the significance for us today as readers. One of the beautiful things and one of the challenging things of living in this world today is we want to have this sense of belonging. We do all these things to have the sense of belonging, to be loved, and to have someone to be around and to fit in. And the challenge and difficulty becomes, where do we fit in, how do we fit in, and who do we belong to? So thanks to modern technology today, we have things like Ancestry.com. We send our cheek swabs to these websites, and they can tell you and trace our lineage back generations to generations. But today we also hear the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The significance here for you and I in general as we look from the outside of the genealogy is there's something more. We look at the generations upon generations to help us better understand that we belong. We have a place that we belong. We have someone to belong to and we are beloved we are beloved sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. So can we understand and begin to grasp that severity of what it means to be sons and daughters of Jesus Christ? Can we begin to grasp and understand the gravity behind belonging and being sons and daughters of Jesus Christ? Because the gravity and severity behind this is the fact that we have been beloved and that we are loved from the beginning from David, from Abraham. That from the beginning of time, God created us for love, to be loved and out of love, and we are meant for love and meant for more. The challenge and difficulty is if we look through salvation history, we come to see our brokenness, our fallen nature, our weakness, and it's beautifully captured in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. If we look very carefully and really understand this, Jesus is the Son of God. So should he not have a very clean genealogy? Should he not come from royal bloodline? Should he not come from a perfect lineage of people? But instead, if we look very carefully, his genealogy is not the most perfect. It is actually contrary. It's very imperfect. It's very broken. And what is subtle and very interesting, if you had a chance to go back and read it, 
When you track genealogy, you track it based off of the husband or the man in the relationship. But there's four women mentioned in the genealogy. Those four women are seen as outsiders, but now are brought in to the line of David, are brought in to the sense of belonging. So it shows us that every one of us, as imperfect, as broken as we are, are meant to be loved because we were created for love and out of love. And therefore, Jesus came not just for those 2,000 years ago, but he came for you and I. He came to save us from our sins. He comes to love us and shower us with his love. And so we begin to see through his incarnation, through the word made flesh and dwelt among us, do we see the profound act of that divine love. If Jesus is truly God, why does he become man? Why does he have to enter the limits of humanity, of being human, into a world and become a human baby? He could have snapped his fingers. He could have just magically appeared. But he entered the limit, limits of humanity, the brokenness, the frailty. For what? so that he can journey and walk with each and every one of us through the joys, the sorrows, the good, the bad, the ugly of our life. Jesus does all that except sin. He desires an intimate connection with each and every one of us. One of my favorite things and one of the beautiful hallmarks of Christmas is we look at the cute baby Jesus and we all just go, aww right? It's so adorable. But it helps to connect us. God is no longer this distant being that we are afraid of, that created the world that we can't reach and that we can't grasp anymore. But the word was made flesh and dwelt among us in that child in front of us today that has allowed us to connect with God the Father, to be in right relationship and right praise to God. So that we can stand here and reach out our hands and say, Abba, Father, hold me, Dad. That love is so profound. That love draws us to something beyond ourselves. And now that love is just not a sentimental feeling anymore. But the fact is, it is something tangible. A God that loves us so dearly that is walking with us side by side. The word Emmanuel, God is with us. He doesn't leave us astray. He doesn't leave us to our own faults. He doesn't leave us to our brokenness anymore. But he is walking with us and among our midst and in our midst every day and every moment of our life. But he desires us. He desires for us to respond to him. For us to seek him. Within any relationship, we don't, aren't forced to be in a relationship. We aren't forced to love God. But God became man so that we can love God. So that we can seek out God. So that we can be in God's presence and be loved by him. But what does that entail for us? 
as we begin that relationship, as we begin to live out Christmas, Christ dwelling among us, it involves our openness, our faithfulness, and our willingness to be with God. God, has came, God came 2,000 years ago, and he will come again in glory. But every day he comes knocking at our door to seek us, to love us. Does that relationship really matter to us? Because if we have that relationship with him, we begin to embrace the transformation. Our lives begin to change forever. Just as Jesus appeared 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, that world has been changed forever. We are the result of that change. Do we not want what he has provided and what he's going to continue to provide for us? Life and life everlasting. To embrace a transformative power, a, trans, a transformation within ourselves. Just as Mary said yes to the Lord and her life is changed forever, our yes to the Lord and his love will change our life forever. Because that love, we don't seek it anywhere else. We, we don't desire it anywhere else. We don't desire it in the wrong things that are sin anymore. But the fact is, I want God and God is everything for me in my life and nothing else matters. And in that transformation and change, I can rid myself of all these things that hinder me from loving God more. That transformative power can be seen in part, in as imperfect as it is, in our relationship with your husband and wife. As you begin to know each other, that sacrifice, that love for each other continues to grow. And in that, you begin to see a transformative and change, a growth within yourself. Your love has now grown as you have grown in love of each other. So if that's a mirror, if that's a part, an imperfect example of the transformative power of God, then imagine what would happen to us if we allowed God to transform ourselves, allow God to change ourselves, allow the cute baby Jesus to come into our hearts, to live in our hearts, to be a part of our life. And in doing so, we make Jesus the center of our life. Everything from there flows from it. We begin to love our brothers and sisters the way God has called us to love. We begin to be able to make those sacrifices in our relationships with each other. When we get irritated and aggravated with our brothers and sisters, we can begin to see Christ in and through them. Because when Christ is at the center of our lives, everything begins to overflow because his love endures forever. This life, therefore, is then guided by Christ. It is not I who live anymore, but it is Christ who lives within me. Our life begins to grow and flourish the way it needs to because nothing else matters within our life our decisions are shaped by it. Our outlook and everything is influenced by that love of Christ. That love of the cute baby Jesus. That cute infant child that led himself to the cross. 
to die for each and every one of us. That genealogy is not just a genealogy of Jesus Christ anymore, my dear brothers and sisters, but it's our genealogy. It's our story. It's our story of being saved. It's our story of being redeemed. The conclusion of this gospel is not written yet, my dear brothers and sisters. It is going to be finished when we take our last breath here on earth. So is Jesus your Messiah? Is he the Savior that has come to be incarnate, born of the Virgin Mary, to come save each and every one of us from our sins, from death, so that we can be with him for all eternity, to live with him forever, and to save us? Or is he just this cute little baby that came 2,000 years ago that we're just here to celebrate and then move on with our daily life? Amen.